Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Adamantium Podcast proudly presents episode number six! What is going on, Adamantomaniacs? Hope everyone enjoyed their Super Bowl weekend. I know I did. Probably ate a little too much junk food, but we'll just have to uh, work that off a little extra hard at the gym today. No, I wasn't. A, I'm not a huge fan of either team, uh, but I was happy to see an underdog win, as I feel like a majority of people were. I thought the halftime show was great too. JT, uh, JT definitely brought it. Good song choices. Uh, I love the Prince tribute. Thought that was a really nice touch, uh, and the production behind it was just uh, just incredible. Uh, Moving on, but keeping on the same theme of sports, this week's guest is Dana McKeel. He is a journeyman sportscaster, been in the sports broadcasting industry for over 28 years. Dana has called just about every sport and at, at every level from collegiate to professional. He has a focus in basketball and has just about come across everybody in the basketball game and uh, Dane is a storyteller so he has a story to go along with each person that he's met uh, from Steve Nash to Magic Johnson we've got some great stories in this upcoming interview so I'm going to try and keep this intro fairly short but before we get into it if you enjoy the interview Dana has a two CD special called Hang Time 50 Years of Toronto Basketball which is available at onpointbasketball.com definitely recommend checking it out uh, like I said, Dana, he's he's a great character, uh, lots of stories. He had, Before we were even rolling audio, he was telling me some great stories about his bouncing days. Dana and I met in a restaurant that he helps out on his helps out in on his spare time. As soon as I heard him talk, I said, man, you've got a voice for radio. And that's how this uh, opportunity came about. But before we get stuck in, don't forget that you can listen to the Adamantium podcast through Aesthetic Magazine now. That's aestheticmagazinetoronto.com. If you're a music lover, I highly recommend checking it out. Uh, you can also follow us on social media. The Facebook page is at the Adamantium podcast on Instagram at the Adamantium and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. So here we are, episode six with Dana McKeel. Enjoy. <laughs> Coming here on this freezing cold day to oh, record a record podcast, yeah. So, we've already been talking a little bit and shared some good stories, um, but I want to talk about how you first started doing sports broadcasting. Was it something that you always set out to do, or was it something that you kind of fell into? Uh, something that I kind of fell into in that uh, uh, initially after I had left uh, college at Centennial College in 1984, graduated at that time, uh, heavily involved in basketball and uh, more uh, geared toward the coaching side. Okay. So I was coaching, uh, did my training uh, with uh, Brian Heaney and Bernie Ostein at the University of Toronto back in 85 and 86. And uh, 86 and 87 uh, and 88, I spent with the Ryerson uh, women's basketball team under head coach Mike Hickey, uh, which led to me also uh, working as an apprentice coach and, uh, and a backup type guy uh, for uh, the women's national basketball team. And uh, so with that, uh, I also had a chance to work with the men's junior national team on a tour in 1987. And that uh, 
also uh, led to opportunities in public address announcing. Mm -hmm. uh, they asked me to do that a number of times. Uh, administrators of these various uh, national tours and uh, uh, local all-star games. Okay. So so even the public addressing and stuff, how uh, did people just kind of see the talent in you or did you kind of know that, oh, okay, here's something that... Well, that's what it was. Uh, the administrators thought that I would make for a good announcer for basketball okay. because yeah. I know the sport uh, very well and know the, uh, the characters in the sport mm. uh, very well. And uh, because of that, uh, they kept on asking me if I want to handle this game and handle that game. There was only two or three of us at the time. Uh, Roy Anderson, who's now a professional stuntman living in New York, and myself, and later Herbie Kuhn, who is now the public address announcer for the Toronto Raptors. Okay. Um, did, you, did you play yourself? Yes, I did. I played uh, high school basketball at East York Collegiate with uh, some outstanding basketball players, some of the best multi-sport athletes I've ever played in Toronto. And later played uh, at Centennial College, although I was on the uh, DL for two years because of uh, colitis and uh, have all sorts of colitis. So uh, the team won a provincial championship in '83 uh, and a national championship in '84. Wow, incredible! That's great. Um, and so, how, who, who, how did how did you kind of get started? on television and, and how, how did you kind of get your foot in the door? Well, that, that was uh, 1989 and uh, the dawning of uh, a rivalry between uh, Toronto, Metro Toronto High School All-Stars. And initially it was against the Western New York All-Stars. Okay. And they would play these uh, games at Varsity Arena and uh, put on by the legendary Marvin Pearl, who's now in the Ontario Basketball Hall of Fame, former uh, gym teacher at uh, Jarvis Collegiate. Okay. And uh, so in 1989, Michigan All-Stars came. And this was, uh, now we're getting into some pretty heavy stuff here because this is an AAU All-Star team representing the entire state. Mm -hmm. And they would come here to Toronto. And it was a, a back and forth rivalry between Michigan and Toronto, uh, wins and losses. And they were punishing. There were some big boys coming from Michigan, but we had uh, an outstanding lineup as well. We had some big guys in the lineup too. And uh, with that, in uh, 1989, a, uh, Administrator Marvin Pearl asked me if I could uh, handle the broadcast alongside uh, Bob Nicholson, a legendary basketball coach, and uh, opportunities came out of that. Mm -hmm. Do you find that, because um, you're saying, especially competing with, with U.S. schools, I mean, the funding and the programs they have available in the States are so much, you know, there's so much more money that goes into it there than it does here. Are you, are you finding that, maybe even more so now, do you think that we're able to compete with U.S. US colleges in the same way? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a big Funny topic. thing that you mentioned that now, because uh, yes, we can now. And uh, a lot of it, uh, it's not so much about the funding as it is the uh, fundamentals. Okay. And uh, the fact that uh, we have a number of schools that are now competing uh, uh, annually against... Uh, uh, NCAA schools and beating them and expecting to beat them. Uh, okay. Carleton University is a perfect example. I think they went nine and two in exhibition play against uh, NCAA really? schools, and these are all Division One schools. Yeah, and uh, they're taking out schools like Arizona and Boston College and Syracuse, and uh, I think they lost a game against LaSalle or somebody, but uh, they came back nine and two. And a number of other schools uh, play regularly against NCAA uh, competition, particularly in the mid-August 
to uh, early September range right. when uh, NCAA schools don't have to count that game as part of their schedule. Right. I mean, because I went to U of T, and I mean, for one, it's it's not really known as a huge athletic school, anyways. It's most more of an academic school, and the, I mean the the football team <laughs> for one they. I was at the one game that it was the first game they had won in seven years, and uh, and that's just competing with other Canadian, you know, other Ontario schools. Um, so when you put put them against something like a Longhorns or something or a Mich- you know, a Michigan University, that there's hundreds of thousands of dollars going into these programs and offering scholarships and stuff. It's how do you compete with that? You know? Yeah, the, well, I remember. Uh, I mean, the, even our the, best athletes are going there. The time uh, that U of T had a, a Vandy Cup championship team, 1993, mm-hmm. and uh, that included uh, one of your old coaches, Brian Gaw, <laughs> who was a member of that lineup. Uh, Mario Storino, the uh, quarterback, they had some outstanding players in there, Glenn McCausland and uh, Francis Etienne and uh, company, uh, uh, Joe Raposo and company. But uh, with that, uh, the uh, the team has gone through some peaks and valleys, and for the most part, it's been a valley from uh, mid-90s up to uh, this uh, past year. Uh, the head coach has been replaced, and uh, there's a search on right now to name a new head coach, and uh, I think that decision is going to come very soon. Uh, but U of T Athletics has been very... Uh, uh, very good in other aspects, not just the football mm-hmm. team. The baseball team is the OUA champions. Uh, the swim really? team uh, includes uh, two of the world's top swimmers. Uh, the uh, track team is among the best in the, the uh, Canadian University circuit. And uh, the basketball teams are doing quite well, uh, more specifically the men's team, and is very competitive in the uh, East and Central divisions mm-hmm. uh, against uh, the likes of Ryerson and uh, York and some of the other schools uh, within the Toronto area. So uh, there are other teams that are competing. And I know that a lot of people will say, well, it's a, U of T is on the download. Not necessarily. There's a lot of good athletic uh, lineups out there, just not the football team right now. It's going through a transition okay. area. I mean, maybe they just get the most, you know, kind of... They get a lot of press. Right. Yeah. Um, but I have noticed in the last, because I, I still play recreational soccer at U of T, and I couldn't believe because I graduated in 2010. Yep. And I don't know when it was built, but a couple of years later, they've put up this huge athletic center now at U of T. And it's incredible. It looks like something out of a U.S. college, um, which is it's disappointing that I didn't get to use it when I was there. But it's incredible that this, this facility they put, if you look in through the windows at the basketball court, yep. it's like, it, you know, it looks like a televised you know, the venue. The Gold Ring Center is uh, outstanding. And it's right there on Bloor Street at uh, yeah, uh, right off Trinity. Of, yeah. And uh, right across, or Devonshire, pardon me, and uh, right across from the uh, U of T Stadium, Varsity yeah, Stadium. Varsity Stadium. And uh, that uh, money was put together by Robin Campbell, who's the uh, chief fundraiser for U of T Athletics. Okay. <clears throat> pardon me. And um, he uh, went out and secured uh, uh, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, I think the final building tally was about $200 million. Mm-hmm. And uh, of that $200 million, there was one uh, donation of $10 million, a loan from a former U of T really? basketball star uh, back from the late 60s, who is, uh, I trying to remember his name, but uh, he uh, contributed $10 million. He's a contractor and builder here in Toronto. I was going to say, where is it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he uh, is up for a nomination to the Ontario Basketball Hall of Fame uh, really? in this upcoming year. 
if I can think of his name offhand, but he made that contribution among other donors uh, to uh, this building. And you're right, it's uh, state of the art. Uh, a lot of other schools are looking at this right now and saying, uh, if U of T can do it, then uh, hopefully the possibilities of us rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, even just the you know the workout space is about three three stories. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, Beth Ali is the uh, athletic director there, Mary Beth Challoner, the director of marketing. Uh, they do an outstanding job mm. in putting it all together. And uh, the athletic uh, department is on the upswing. That's yeah. why they're putting a lot of emphasis on the Varsity Blues football team and uh, and turning the corner with that team. Okay. That's so let's, let's, um, let's talk about basketball for a minute because basketball has kind of been, I guess, your main... Your main focus over your career, anyways. Yes. Um, and basketball in Canada is changing, like astronomically. You know, in the past twenty years, uh, you know, I, I remember in my, the Raptors started only when I was a child, so they, they they've got a brief history, and even since they've started, it's come around a long way. And now we're talking about the U nineteens winning winning the World Cup of basketball. That's right. So, so tell us, can you can you give us more of a? I only know so much, so you can kind of give us a state of what the basketball game is like in Canada at the moment. Uh, state is outstanding right yeah. now. Uh, the state of uh, basketball is so much on the upswing. The team that was named yesterday as the Canadian Press uh, Team of the Year mm-hmm. uh, is outstanding, led by R.J. Barrett. Uh, he will be going to Duke University next season. And uh, following that one year, I bet $20 that uh, his father will encourage him uh, to take uh, the next step and go into the NBA. Yeah. And uh, So do you think we can... have future NBA stars on, on this U19 team? Oh, big time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least him and if not uh, two or three others. Really? Yeah. And, uh, and with that, uh, R.J. Barrett's uh, father is a former star player with the Canadian national team. He's mm-hmm. also the uh, assistant general manager of the uh, Canadian men's national team. And uh, Rowan, uh, we know him as Ducky here in Toronto and yeah. across the country. And uh, we've, I've known Rowan since he was a high school player, 16 okay. years old, playing for West Hill Warriors in the uh, high school circuit. He was a Metro Toronto High School All-Star. Yeah. The, uh, as far as the state of basketball goes, it's outstanding, both men and women. Right now, we've got uh, nine regular Canadian players playing in the NBA uh, right yeah. now, which is more so than any other time. Uh, a lot of those players uh, credit the coaching that we've received in this country uh, as well as the heritage of uh, the people in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them uh, come from great lineage. A good, good example, Corey Joseph. Corey's father mm-hmm. is one of the most legendary basketball players to come out of this country, David Joseph. And as I was speaking with Simeon Mars last night, Simeon, former coach at Eastern Commerce, former NBA coach and former assistant at Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, Simeon gave me a call last night and we had quite a lengthy conversation about uh, uh, who's playing in the NBA, the history before that time, the uh, guys who made basketball famous back in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. here in Toronto, okay. even before the NBA was thought of. They right. made ba- basketball popular. You could get an exhibition game featuring Atlanta and Detroit, or the Buffalo Braves come into play here, and they would fill uh, Maple Leaf Gardens, right. fifteen thousand. When uh, the Chicago uh, or when the Boston Celtics played at uh, the uh, uh, Sky Dome, known mm-hmm. as the Sky Dome yep. at the time, thirty-five thousand showed yep. up. You know, so uh, the support was there, was and there. that's when the uh, ownership or the various ownership groups 
all made a bid to the NBA to say, we need a team here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So what's, I mean, you're saying that the, the interest was always there. Yes. What's changed that now we're competing, you know? Because for a while, you know, Canada was never competing in the Olympics, uh, competitively anyways. Do you think we have a team now that, I mean, there was the Steve Nash years that were kind of hopeful and stuff, but do you think we have a team going forward now that we can compete with, you know, the dream team? And we, We've always had a team that's been uh, men and women. Yeah. Uh, keep in mind, our women's uh, national team was ranked number three in the world in 1986. 86, okay. That's right. Uh, Misty Thomas, uh, Carol Hamilton Goodale at the time. Uh, it was just a cast of stars in that lineup and uh, finished third behind the U.S. and uh, okay. Russia. Uh, after that, uh, we've seen a lot of competitive teams all ranked within the top 15-20 uh, uh, mm-hmm. in the world. Uh, the Steve Nash lineup, uh, that lineup uh, uh, was very good in Australia. Uh, they had a chance to finish as high yes, as second yeah. or third. Yeah. They finished seventh. There was one disappointing loss there. I think it was against France, uh, a game that they could have won. And, yeah. uh, you know, we can talk about should have, could have, would have. Of course, you can do that any sport. Any, yeah. yeah, but uh, Steve is an outstanding guy, yeah. uh, an outstanding athlete. And keep in mind, uh, 1993-94, I handled the NBL schedule up at Humber College with uh, Dan Shulman, okay. who's now with ESPN. And we did the uh, broadcast of those games on behalf of Canada Basketball up there at that time. Steve was relatively unknowing. He came from uh, the BC came provincial from, team. He was a soccer family. Yeah, uh, him and his brother Marty. Yeah, he played for Team Canada. That's right. Yeah. And uh, Steve uh, uh, is on uh, the bench, but he didn't start. It was mm-hmm. a, a small guard uh, from Eastern Washington who originates from Vancouver who uh, was the starting guard. He was a left-handed guard. And uh, Steve got his chance to play. But in 94, uh, Steve was one of... Uh, 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 it wasn't even an NBA player. The only two NBA players in the lineup were Rick Fox, mm-hmm. who at the time was with the Boston yep. uh, Celtics, and Bill Weddington, who was with the Chicago Bulls. And uh, Steve came up to me. I was throwing a big party at the time for the World Basketball Championships. I had a chance to host the opening ceremonies with Alan Thicke. Mm-hmm. So with that, uh, the big party was held back at a nightclub called Pete Marty's at Bay College, and I was hosting and uh, everybody forgot to give tickets to Steve, uh, the captain of the team, Martin Keene. He forgot to give tickets to Steve. So Steve comes up to me in the parking lot at City TV during a promo and said, Dana, Dana, you know me. I'm Steve. I'm with the national team. Uh, Martin Keene forgot to give me the tickets to the, tonight's party. I said, Steve, I just happen to have a pair right here. There you are. And uh, we'll see you at the party tonight. And since that time, it's been a running joke between him and uh, Steve and I whenever we see each other, whether it's on yeah. Canada's Walk of Fame or, you know, press conferences or actual games. Yeah. And uh, he'll always ask me, so when's the party? And when's the am party? I invited? Yeah. You got my two tickets. <laughs> yeah. What's, what is Steve up to these days? Uh, he's doing a lot of different things. He's interested in filming, actually. Really? Yeah. Uh, like on behind the camera? Behind or? the camera. Really? Uh, doing different uh, films, uh, basketball, Sports soccer. Okay. Uh, and then even some that are not. Yeah. Uh, National Geographic type material. Really? Uh, that kind of content. And he spends time in New York as well. Okay. Yeah, so it's a talented family. See him sometimes <laughs> when I'm in New York uh, with the NCAA schedule. So Yeah, because his brother was quite a... I mean, I, if you haven't told already, our family's a, a heavy soccer family. That's right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I told you my dad ran, ran a team in the OSL. I think... I'm not sure if he's crossed paths with Steve's brother. 
but he was quite he was quite the player. Well, Marty and, Marty played with the uh, Rochester uh, uh, Raging Rhinos at Rhinos, the time, yeah, yeah. and uh, they played in the Premier League, uh, which. The Toronto Lynx played it. Yes, uh, my we, dad. My dad worked with the Toronto Lynx. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, if yeah. if that's the case, then uh, we I must have crossed paths with your father because maybe uh, yeah. we would handle those games as part of our Rogers TV schedule out at Centennial Stadium. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he. I, I don't know. He it wasn't for long, and he he had a big. He he took part in a, a few different teams: the, the Glen Shields Red Devils. Sun Devils. Yep. Yeah, he was a part of that, and but I mean his 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 uh, pride and joy was always his team that his his father had started. Yeah. And so which was Ulster Thistle, but uh, he ran it for about forty years. Um, wow. And they competed with, uh, I think they played a couple of games against TFC two even in the uh, like the, the reserve squad, with did that Danny Dicchio um, coaches or he was coaching at the time. Yep. Um, but yeah, so sorry just to, to go back. So yeah, they. Uh, uh, we were talking about Steve Nash and, and the Nash family. Um, I, I, I was thinking as you were telling these stories that you know you're 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 dropping names left, right, and center. How yeah. it's something for for me that I've I've noticed over because I've been a lifelong sports fan and, and I I love every sport. I love yeah. playing every sport. Uh, as a kid, I used to know everybody and like who they were, and and we didn't we didn't even have the means as a kid that we do now. And I guess as life gets busier, you know, I, I always follow soccer first and foremost. And I find it's, it's harder and harder to keep up with with uh, who's who and, and, and what. How how do you find, because you haven't forgotten a name, you're remembering names from 83 and stuff like that. How do you, how do you, did you just have a, a great memory or and, or how, how are you remembering all these people and, 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 and stats and numbers. And I mean, I guess that's part of the job as a sportscaster. That's what it is. Uh, that uh, You build a, a memory for that kind of thing. Yeah, your memory bank builds up. It's like growing up in the circus, actually. Mm. And, and sports is such a yeah. circus. There's so many stories, so many moments, so many uh, adventures. And, uh, and with that, uh, uh, I've chronicled a lot of it, yeah. uh, whether through broadcast or through uh, uh, written uh, publications uh, like uh, the book I wrote back in 2001 yeah. uh, called Hang Time. And uh, it chronicles uh, 25 years of basketball in right. Toronto. Well, that book, uh, there was a guy named Mike Cates. Okay. Uh, Mike Cates is a renowned basketball coach here in Toronto and across the country. He was a former coach of Steve Nash with the Canadian national team and a five-time national champion with Humber College, uh, consecutive champion. Mm -hmm. uh, so his uh, record speaks for itself. And Mike uh, said to me uh, about three years ago, Dana, we got to write, write another book because he wrote the foreword to my first yeah. book. And uh, he goes, uh, we got to write another book. And I said, Mike, I'm not sure I want to do that. Everything's online now. Uh, Dana, we got to do something. And I said, Mike, let me get back to you in about uh, uh, a month. So after researching this out and thinking about this and uh, more thinking about uh, the funding that has to go behind it because it's mm -hmm. such a mammoth project to put, on a, uh, put out another book, I thought, why don't we go and put out a three-hour digital presentation on 50 years of Toronto basketball? Mm -hmm. Because if basketball, this is the epicenter of basketball here in this country, right, right here in Toronto. And I, and I think it's something that a lot of Canadians don't know about. No, they yeah. don't. And uh, so we, uh, I formed, I said to Mike, we're going to form 
uh, a production team, all of former basketball guys. We're going to make this mm. very special. We're going to put this three-hour digital presentation on at the St. Lawrence Center for the Arts. We're going to uh, bring on corporate sponsors, which was very easy to do because we had all kinds of corporate support. And we're going to sell tickets. And uh, sure enough, this went off uh, so well. We met monthly at Metro Hall. We had 35 guys who were all very talented in what they do mm -hmm. in, uh, and are all former basketball stars. So the Norman Clarks, the Simeon Mars, the Marvin Pearls, the uh, Tony Sterling from Sterling Dental. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's uh, just uh, unbelievable. Uh, uh, just the amount of talent that we brought to uh, the table. Uh, the producers, we had four producers, uh, three of them from Rogers, and uh, Lance Wynn, who uh, was also with us and broadcast at Rogers, but was outstanding with edits. And we put this on, and it's now uh, available uh, this two DC two disc CD package at onpointbasketball.com. Okay, and they're selling. Yeah, they're selling big time, and and people are realizing that uh, it isn't all about uh, Corey Joseph and right. uh, you know uh, Nick Stauskas and uh, some of the other NBA uh, basketball stars, Andrew Wiggins and everybody. Right, that there's a history that goes behind all those kids. A couple of like unsung heroes, kind of. Oh, there's yeah. a lot. There's yeah, of a course. lot of. Oh my yeah. gosh, you. We we interviewed upwards of uh, seventy five different guys. Wow. And uh, they were all featured on a giant screen, and we made the stage look like a basketball court. Oh, and, cool. And uh, we had actual when, high school when did players the event come up take and do place? it. A year ago, and okay. uh, uh, we had the elite of Toronto basketball show up. Amazing. It was just an amazing night, and uh, it's like having a child. Right, of course. <laughs> well, you put every you put your heart and soul into it, right? Yeah, so. every day. It was it was just phenomenal, and uh, uh, our corporate partners were very happy over it. Uh, people that acquire the the two CD disc, uh, they're like especially some of the uh, student athletes now. They're going, holy mackerel! Look at all this. Mm -hmm. You know, they're looking at uh, 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 Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. who uh, is now playing with Miami uh, Heat, mm -hmm. a seven-foot center. But he, Kelly was just a, a young, small child at the time. Uh, his father was the coach at U of T. Okay. 19, wow. uh, yeah, his father was the coach of the Canadian Junior National Team and then took the opportunity to come as head coach at uh, U of T and was a coach throughout the 90s there. So we would see Kelly on the floor all the time shooting hoops. He's just yeah. a little wee guy. And we'd grab the ball from him or stuff him a yeah. few times. <laughs> throw his ball down now, the end of the gym. Yeah. You're not stuffing him now. No, <laughs> no, not at seven feet tall. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, I, I used to uh, I used to play a lot of basketball in middle school. I went through a big basketball phase. Uh, and my biggest thing, I was always, I was fast. Yep. Uh, and playing soccer, you know, that was I was fast and I just used that, you know. I was an, I was a good shooter. Uh, couldn't dribble to save my life, but you know I was just fast, so I would get my own rebounds. Everything, you know. Um, but then as soon as I got into like high school, when height really did start to matter, yeah. <laughs> then that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll stick with uh, stick with the soccer. Yeah, focus on the soccer. But how was your vertical? That yeah, that's it. Uh, you know what? I yeah yeah. Even in soccer, I'm useless in the on the headers. You know. Like, yeah. I'm uh, you know if if I'll make the comparison if. I'm the TFC. I needed I needed a Josie to be my Javinko, you know. Oh, I wasn't right. winning those headers, <laughs> and I wasn't blessed. But at least you know, at least in soccer, like most soccer players aren't that tall. No. So uh, except for Danny Dicchio. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's a big fella. Danny did a broadcast. He's about six one, right? Six two. Uh, about six three. Really? Oh yeah, yeah he's, he's a tall a guy. guy. He's a big. He lad. stands out, and uh, 
He he did a broadcast one time uh, with us uh, for the CSL championship. Yeah. And uh, Danny and Walter Gretzky uh, were sitting oh, okay, on the yeah. panel with us, as well as Dick Howard. Oh, wow. Uh, longtime friend Dick Howard. And uh, the four of us were sitting there, and I'm going, holy mackerel, uh, yeah, uh, Danny, uh, you stand out a little bit. You yeah. more look more like a basketball player than you do a soccer thick, star. He's got thick, accent, too. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a natural at that, though. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite on the Saturday mornings, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and, Craig, and Craig Forrest. Craig Forrest is a tall guy too because yeah. he plays on our uh, media basketball team. Yeah, and he's six five and he's an outstanding basketball player. Really, well, well he's he, big time. And he's he was on our best Canadian soccer team ever. Yes. Yeah, when we won the Gold Cup. We yep. Beat, which was we beat Colombia in the final. I remember, I remember that. that they were minus yeah. a goaltender. Who was Columbia? Was? Yeah, Columbia didn't run with their uh, top flight goaltender. Uh, he was eliminated okay. after uh, a World Cup appearance where he allowed a goal. Oh, he was. And uh, he was, later, when he returned he to Columbia, murdered. he was yeah. executed. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was around that. You're right. That was around that time. Yeah, and that's. And you know what? Maybe that's. I think that going circling back, I think that's how you remember. Part of, for me anyways, you remember the names from the stories that you get from them. That's know? right, So you've yeah. got a lot of stories. I mean, you worked in sport. You work in sports. Oh, yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of stories that are coming out of it that makes it easier. To, oh, the stories are unbelievable. You you can put out the name and there's a story there. There's a story already. <laughs> we've already had. How do you find the, what do you have, what's your go-to for keeping up with, uh, you know, Who's leading the league right now? Who's you know, especially because you follow a lot of sports. Well, I follow so, I follow uh, everything online. Uh, like is Twitter, Twitter your Twitter's your go-to uh, Twitter's my work go to, but okay. uh, also uh, I just read the paper every day. Okay, I read yeah, the Toronto Sun because right. they've got the best sports of any news publication okay. in the country, and the writers for the uh, the Sun Sports. Uh, like Frank Ziccarelli and Mike Ganter and Ryan Wolstad and Steve Buffery are among the best in the country. Mm-hmm. These guys are the best writers, especially yeah. Frank. Frank has got so much credibility, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a guy that grew up in Toronto here. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, five feet, uh, five inches tall, but boy, oh, boy, Frank uh, has got the ear of the NBA and, uh, and the CFL. He covers uh, the Toronto okay. Argonauts and the Toronto Raptors. And Frank uh, really does an outstanding job with uh, with uh, writing for the Toronto Sun. He's been with the Sun since uh, I believe around 1982. Okay. Used to write. And then the you're wrestling. getting more. What's that? Used to write the uh, wrestling column uh, for uh, all oh, the really? pro wrestlers. Yeah. Really. Yeah. That's. that's I'm surprised. And I was. I've, I've been a big pro wrestling fan since. Oh, is that right? Oh, I, love <laughs> I love it. You know what? Like I like I'm a I'm a storyteller, right? And even with sports, I love. The sports arcs that have come with the story like again I'm going back to TFC yep. especially because I've been a season ticket holder since season one yep. the story that came with this year's win and so you know and it, it's, it's a the beautiful stories story. of everything you know the stories of even you know Bradley and Altador yep. you know being you know vilified almost in their own country because not qualifying for the World Cup yeah, I, I don't appreciate uh, no, the, the, the abuse no. that they took in their own country, in New York, no, no. Uh, over that nonsense. Well, and, I, I mean, uh, the, but they're well appreciated here. Oh, absolutely. And just the, the camaraderie of, you know, there was a, the game in New York. I think it was in New York where Josie scored a goal and, and the fans started throwing beer at him. Yeah. And, and Sebastian Javinko went over and took a sip out of... But that's what I mean. It's the stories, and I think that's why I've been a, a pro yeah. wrestling fan because I mean, the, it's the stories that come with it. It's not just the athletics, right? So stories are you know, phenomenal. That's it. I mean, but that's that's the 
the great thing about anything, sports, everything. Is Victor just, Vasquez with some uh, great stories behind how he uh, was able to uh, uh, get signed and play with the uh, TFC uh, team. Uh, great uh, background behind him. Great international background. Yeah, well, he came from Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also... Uh, uh, several other players who, who've brought uh, some great stories. Well, with even them Canadians. Too. I went to high school with Ashton Morgan, who plays on the Yep. Show. Yeah. He was in, I don't think I ever played with him because he was in grade 9 when I was in grade 12. At uh, Northern? So, at Northern, at, yeah. Uh, with the Red Knights, yes. Yeah, yeah. So a buddy of mine played with him and he said even that he's, he's a great player. Yeah. Um, but it just goes to show you the quality, you know, like he was a great player and doesn't even, he's not even on the starting squad, you know what I mean? Like yeah. just the quality of, uh, I've got a, a friend who played, uh, he went over to England for a while and he played Division Three or something like that. Yeah. And he went to a tryout with like a Premier League team or something. And it was like a West Ham or something, middle of the table. And he said, I knew five minutes into the tryout there was a quality gap between where I had been and where you need to be to play at this level. He yeah. Goes, I couldn't get a second on the ball. As soon as I touched it, there's there's a guy on, around me already, you know. Yeah. Like there was, there's you don't have a second, you know, um, and that's the same with every sport, you know. Um, yeah, they don't give you a chance you hear, to breathe. Same with the, you hear I, in high school, you hear about these athletes. You know, when I was in high school, there was a couple athletes that were our stars. You know what I mean? And then yeah. once you throw them in, it's like academics. It's the same with academics, right? When I, I was used to being talking my talking my class, and then I went to U of T Commerce, and suddenly I was like, huh. Everyone here was top of their class, you know, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, now it's a lot more competitive, so it's obviously the same with sports or anything else. Yeah, no no question. Uh, when you get into that atmosphere, competition comes right into yeah. play. Yeah, the world suddenly gets a lot bigger. You know, oh, you... yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sure does. So that's uh, where you've got to uh, figure out ways and how you could shine above all that. Yeah. Yeah. Because competition, you're naturally competitive, and so am I, and, and we uh, look to take it to another level all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me ask you, uh, going back to um, to broadcasting. Yep. Because now you've expanded into almost every sport. Do you have to, do you find you have, I mean, individually every sportscaster's got their own style and stuff, but all, there's got to be, you've got to probably change your style Per sport, no? No. Uh, my, my style, there's a number of things that go into style. Okay. And I, and I put that in quotes because uh, it's, it's just a natural thing for me. Okay. Uh, voice and tone, uh, that comes from my dad. Uh, okay. My dad was a former uh, uh, officer, uh, a sergeant major in the Canadian Armed Forces. Okay. Uh, and uh, spent time in Germany and the Middle East. Uh, deep voice. And that's uh, been passed on along to my uh, younger brother and uh, myself. Uh, and with that, uh, the voice and tone have always been there. The people say, well, you have a distinct voice. Uh, or that uh, we can tell it's you. Or, you know, uh, you know you've got that, uh, that type of voice. And I always tell them, well, that's uh, just from my bouncing days, uh, from my <laughs> club. The fact yeah. of the matter is it's, it's hereditary and it comes from my dad and uh, further down the line as well. Uh, when it comes to uh, preparation and how to prepare for a broadcast, mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, eight hours of preparation that goes into every one hour on air. Really? And uh, that comes from when I first uh, took over uh, Michael Landsberg's old show when he was hosting uh, Time Out on local cable yeah. uh, with Parkdale Trinity and McLean Hunter. Uh, I took over his old show as he 
uh, went over to TSN. Yeah, and, to do and, off the record. Yeah, you know, I mean, and Michael is legendary in the broadcast Canadian broadcast industry. And uh, so I had a one-hour show, a call-in show. And you have to match wits with uh, people calling in all the time. And they'll call you about every sport. Right. And uh, we had a lot of success there. It won three awards. And uh, with that, the show expanded and became Pro Sports Hotline. And all of a sudden, I've got a broadcast partner in 1997, uh, Scott Lachlan, who's now anchor of NHL Satellite Radio. So him and I would go all over the province with a call-in show. And people would call in and want to talk OHL hockey, NHL hockey, Major League Baseball, table tennis. So luckily enough... We knew people from table tennis, really? Gideon Joeing or Tack Hung, or yeah. you know, and we we actually knew these people. I actually played table tennis with some of these guys. They became yeah. stars, and uh, uh, you know, it was amazing. Uh, but these, this is what the fans would want to talk about. Right. One of the first shows was uh, the Robbie Alomar spinning incident, right, of course, yeah. with uh, John Hirschbeck, the Major League Baseball coach, and uh, that that show broke four different uh, uh, news stories, including. Uh, Twice uh, with Cliff Fletcher being fired from the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, uh, interesting time. But in preparing for broadcast, that's what it is. Uh, every one hour, so eight what hours. So, what kind of prep is going into it? Research or? Well, you, you know, for me now, uh, I've been in play by play for many years, and uh, you have to acquire lineups. You have to make sure you have numerical lineups. You have to know uh, the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you don't know them, you better find out who they are right. very quickly because you don't want to miss out on the stories that go well, into I'm, each yeah. of these players as we get into game action. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's uh, several times you want to get into um, telling a story and, and you build the story up through the, the broadcast. So by the time, that if it's a hockey game, you know, you're introducing the player in the first period. By the third period, the fans are going to know that uh, the yeah. hockey player also came from Perry Sound, that uh, he played uh, NCAA hockey or OUA hockey, and, uh, and that, uh, you know, his father's a legendary hockey star. Okay. You know, that sort of thing. So that's what the fans that, want to know. Of course. You know, the viewers, uh, they're hard. They, mm-hmm. they know the material. Oh, of course. So you better know it too. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to look like a fish out of water. Right. Right. Which is maybe maybe what I sound like talking about basketball. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you're asking questions well, that, that uh, a lot of uh, fans want to know. Right. That's, of course, because like, like I was saying, you know, I've, I've always stayed on top of of soccer pretty well but you know keeping up with every sport it's a full it's a full time job you know and when you're young and you're a kid and you're in school you got all the time in the world to do that um well, yeah. now it's like in between breaks now I'm lucky I have the score mobile where I can search on the subway while I'm commuting what's going on and who's <laughs> you know who's up I like that yeah score mobile check my app <laughs> that's it you know what like cause I'll be out you know even cause my buddies are all sports fans right we all yeah. are together all sports fans and each of us have like a different favorite right so yeah I want to be able to keep up with the basketball guy when I'm there, right? I don't want him to be going, "Oh yeah, did you see it?" And I'm like, "Who's that?" <laughs> You're like, "You don't want to, you don't want to be that guy." Right? No, so, no, no, no. So it's yeah, it's on every break. You know, you got to see who's who and and what's going on. What did this guy do? You know, when I'm at the gym, I watch the, I make sure I watch the highlights. Yep. You know, from the night before, and yep. yeah, you got to do it when you can, right? But it, it, uh, it's hilarious. I, I cover the big four: baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. Right. And then uh, and and I know soccer's uh, big in the world. And big here in Toronto. It's now getting TFC, bigger here, but yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the, big the four, four yeah, that yeah. I cover, uh, the big money makers and uh, Olympic sports as well. Okay. And uh, uh, handled the uh, 2012 uh, pre-Olympic track meet at uh, RSA okay. Stadium. 
uh, all your top stars around the world came there as a prelude to uh, London Olympics. Okay. Uh, and so the preparation that goes into each of these uh, sports uh, is huge. Some more than others. When yes, you're preparing yeah. for a track meet, uh, there's a lot of stories, a lot of times, of a lot of, uh, a lot of information that goes into yeah. individual athletes. And you got to know these. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to be able to know... Like, I get a big kick out of this. Uh, you get these students that are graduating from sport media colleges and from Ryerson, and they they think that they can just get behind a microphone, but yeah. they don't realize it takes practice, it takes time, it takes experience. Well, it takes a, a natural ability. Well, you know, I... I, uh, you know, I've been... I was at the Hockey Hall of Fame yep. years ago, and they have a, a trial commentary thing yep. to make it... And that's... If you think you're good at it, Go and try that, and you'll realize how quickly, how hard it is. Yeah. Because I realized, the one thing I realized was I'm trying to call every play, every player. You know what I mean? And, and you don't. You kind of wait and pick your pick your moments and stuff like that, I think. Because it just sounded, when I listened to it back, I just sounded frantic, you know? Frantic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, hey, by the way, it's already like three passes on by the time I'm calling the one I'm calling, you know what I mean? And Sounds like Mike Emery called a game with yeah. New York Rangers. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, by I, the way, he is an outstanding broadcaster, yeah. uh, Mike Emery is. But, and he makes it exciting. And uh, that's what it's like exhausted after two minutes, you know? <laughs> it's, it's a high energy. Yeah. Uh, Tim McAuliffe in Sizzix yeah. uh, paid the ultimate uh, compliment to me uh, several years ago with their show. I saw uh, that actually when I was doing some research last night. Yeah. yeah. And uh, about uh, announcing, uh, you know, high energy and that yeah. uh, you need to reflect the game and put it out to the viewers yeah. and the way you call a game on television is not the way you call a game on radio radio you've right. got to be a little bit mechanical play by play because I've compared notes with Paul Jones on this Paul Jones okay. who is the uh, Raptors uh, radio broadcaster and has been since yeah. uh, day one and uh, Paul's a long time friend and uh, we compared notes about this and uh, realized that uh, you know there's two different uh, uh, models that you have to look at in order to uh, parlay what is played on the basketball court over to the viewers or the listeners. Yeah. And the listeners, uh, they're going to want to know, you know, where was the player position when he took the jump shot to win the, uh, the, win the basketball game? Right. Was it the short corner? Was it from a three? Or where was he? Yeah. So you need to do that more. Whereas the viewer, the viewer's watching television and he's looking at this. So you don't necessarily have to say, well, you know, he's uh, from the top of the key because they can already see he's from the top of the key. Mm -hmm. But it's nice when you add it in as part of the rhythm of the game. Right. And, uh, you know, the other people that uh, do the play-by-play uh, -play here in uh, Toronto, uh, Matt Devlin mm -hmm. and uh, Paul uh, for the Toronto Raptors, or uh, whether it's play-by-play uh, -play for uh, broadcast uh, with Toronto Argonaut football or hockey, uh, Jim Houston is... The, in my opinion, one of the best, him and Chris Cuthbert uh, here in Toronto. We've got some excellent broadcasters across the country. So the reason I asked the question on if you have to change your style is because if you listen to, if you're watching hockey compared to if you're watching baseball, yep. hockey is a much faster paced sport where things are happening like this, you know? Whereas baseball, you know, there's there's a lot of down period in between, or in between yep. plays and stuff like that. So... It's, it, it can't be the same, you know? No, no, it's not. Uh, with the baseball... Uh, I mean, baseball is very stat-heavy, and I think that's probably why they have... That's what it is. Uh, very stat-heavy, and uh, you really have to have uh, knowledge of the game. Uh, uh, I grew up playing with East York. I coached yeah. at Leaside 
at Talbot Park and uh, knew no baseball like the back of my hand. Mm. Uh, that was my very first sport for many years Okay. Uh, before being introduced to basketball uh, at a high school uh, age. Um, and to this day, I still call games uh, with the inter-county baseball yeah. circuit uh, on Rogers uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And uh, to say that, very stat-heavy, uh, know your history. Yeah. And uh, it, baseball is a lot of history. Uh, with uh, hockey or with football, you've got to be in rhythm, or right. basketball, and soccer too. Mm-hmm. You have to be in rhythm, and uh, you cannot go and start calling the game behind the play. You have to remain right. ahead of the play. So is there is there a trick to broadcasting? Is there like beats that you, you work on or something like... No, uh, not not in my uh, not in my position. Um, you're working. Uh, you're providing that opportunity for the color commentator to get right. in there because the viewer or the listener wants to hear what the color commentator has to say. But at the same time, you want to be able to uh, amp up to that, right? Okay. And uh, and be able to um, you know when you go through uh, like a broadcasting program, they teach you about uh, breathing and how to breathe and how to uh, put out sound bites, right? Uh, without affecting the broadcast, as the mm-hmm. quality of the broadcast. So in baseball, are you are you constantly being handed pages of stats as you're? Like, no, as you, the you come into uh, the game with. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, because but I mean, aren't aren't some of them updating as you're? Yeah, because so, sometimes you know a certain play will happen. You're like, that's the first time that plays happened since so such and such year. It's the first time he is. Pitch three strikeouts in an inning since, you know... Well, we, we have it online. We have a laptop that sits right beside me, so and we have everything online. And uh, we have it online and in the truck. Yeah. So uh, our producers will be in the truck. They'll uh, have uh, line scores already yeah. uh, for both uh, that game and around the league. And uh, same thing with, uh, uh, you know, my own personal stats. Yes. And I've got it online. Okay. And uh, we have an app uh, for, on behalf of Intercounty Baseball, so yeah. they give us uh, the update okay. on that. I mean, your, your mind must be going a mile a minute when you're on Oh yeah. TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's funny because uh, uh, you've got a producer and a director in one ear. You've right. got a color commentator in the other ear, plus you're coordinating. Uh, you're looking at all your notes and, uh, and, and watching like at the same time <laughs> watching uh, the event unfold yeah uh, so that's where experience and confidence comes uh, absolutely. in absolutely yeah, yeah. that's extreme multitasking yes <laughs> yes yeah. it's almost like waiting have you ever the gotten overwhelmed or <laughs> yeah have you ever gotten overwhelmed while while calling a game or uh, no, but there was one time, uh, and you can look this up, it's online, Don Mills Flyers Brawl. Okay. And this was a, a brawl that That's happened between I used to call it. <laughs> the Marlies. Yeah, a hockey game uh, where a brawl breaks out. Yeah. It was more like a boxing match. And this involved Max Domi of, uh, of the uh, yeah. Don Mills Flyers, now yeah. with the Arizona Coyotes, yeah. and uh, with um, uh, Jordan Subban, P.K. Subban's yeah, yeah. Uh, younger brother. And playing, it was Toronto Marlies against Don Mills Flyers. High level hockey game, yeah. minor midget game. Darcy Tucker in the audience, Don Cherry uh, in the of audience course, yeah. <laughs> at Victoria Village Arena. Eight players involved in the brawl, and uh, all of them. Uh, the color commentator was Peter Curtis, yeah. uh, general manager, general manager of the GTHL. So uh, he would sit there with me, and he would analyze uh, this brawl that broke out, yeah. and uh, Domi coming out of the penalty box to take part with this. Yeah. And uh, 
and uh, and then assess. Uh, he would make mental note of all the different players and the suspensions that would come down. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, we met after the game at a restaurant, and he met with the officials who joined us at the yeah. restaurant afterwards to uh, start marking down as to uh, uh, who was going to receive the suspensions. Right. And they were quite lengthy. Eight to ten. Uh, wow. Uh, eight to eleven. So so what was that like for you as a broadcaster? Were you like? What am I calling it? The, you know, yeah, 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 you're in there and you're calling a great hockey game and then a brawl breaks out. So then you break into a different mode. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then the coaches, Ty Domi, coach of the Tom Hill Flyers, yeah. and Dan Brown, whose son Connor plays with the Toronto Maple Leafs right yeah. now, uh, for the Toronto Marlies. And we're, uh, you know, making comments about how these two coaches of were course. beaking at each other as right. well. So a hockey game uh, turns into a boxing match. Right. Have so. you ever called fights? Boxing yes, I have. Game? Have yeah. you? Because that's a whole other uh, uh, as game matter of fact, as well. Uh, the last uh, boxing uh, championship, I, uh, last bo- boxing card I called was about a year and a half ago uh, with the famed Eddie Zawanski. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, Ed Zawanski and I were uh, broadcast partners for many years with boxing here in Ontario. Okay. And uh, Lennox Lewis, Donovan Bailey, or yeah. Don- Donovan Boucher, yeah. and uh, George Chavallo were among uh, the guests on the card. And uh, so we, uh, we've always had a long-standing yeah. uh, uh, tradition of bringing them on the, the broadcast and offering them a chance to say whatever they want on air. It's, you know, from Paris Black to uh, Edgerton Marcus to uh, uh, Mark LeDuc. Yeah, uh, we we known them all since uh, you know the early eighties. Wow, uh, it's funny. I sorry, I just pointed at you there because you mentioned George Chavallo, whose name I was trying to think of at the pub last night. Oh, is that I, right? I, I met him in an airport once. Yep, and I couldn't remember his name for the life of me yesterday. George is a fun yeah. guy. He's still looking for tape. Yeah, <laughs> still calls me looking for tape. Yeah. And uh, Lennox is a great guy. Little knowing that uh, Lennox was also a, a former basketball star. Really? He played in 1983 with uh, Kitchener Cameron Heights. He's, and they won an offset championship yeah. uh, with him in the lineup alongside another guy who was about 6'7", named David Kipfer. Okay. And okay. I used to see Lennox up at the uh He's a dual, the he's dual citizen, isn't he? He's Canadian-British. Uh, British, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's my, my, my dad was a big Lennox Lewis fan because we were Canadian and British. My oh, yeah. My yeah. parents are Northern Irish. So yeah. Which I think I think George Chaval has got a background, too. In George is Croatian uh, descent, Croatian. but grew up in Toronto. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, George's uh, driver, uh, uh, this guy is uh, just phenomenal. Uh, uh, forget his name, but funny guy. He wrote a book actually, uh, mm. and uh, and chronicled how he used to drive at one time for Jimmy Hoffa, okay. uh, the yeah, yeah. one time famed Teamster, yeah. the president of Teamsters. And he said he knows where Jimmy Hoffa is buried, which is actually a turnpike in New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. George, he's a, he's a big fella. I remember running into him when I ran into him in the huge, huge. Yeah. Um, and boxing commentary, we've got a great Canadian commentator right now too, who's making. Uh, he called. He actually Moro Ronaldo. Yep. And, yeah, and he called the. I couldn't believe he called the McGregor fight. Yeah. McGregor Mayweather fight. So I tweeted at him the next day. He's like, "Congrats, man! That's a huge accomplishment, right? That's the biggest fight." Moro Moro is uh, doing quite well. Uh, I also uh, believe that TSN should give it uh, more coverage uh, from a national international yeah. standpoint. Uh, Russ Amber is uh, just okay. outstanding. I love Russ uh, and the no holds barred type. 
yeah. uh, broadcast that he brings to the table, you like it point blank. Yeah. Sometimes you get commentators that candy coat things. Right. He does not. Yeah. And uh, he puts it out the way it is. Yeah. He's right from. I like uh, people who've walked the walk to talk to talk. Right. I'm not into the people that sport. you know they they've never played the sport in their lives right. and yeah. yet here they are critiquing pro athletes. Yeah. <laughs> that just doesn't fly with me. Yeah. And for many uh, who are in the, the professional sport industry, it doesn't fly with them either. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, have you ever have you ever flubbed a line on on uh, on TV? Not to my or what knowledge. Do you, what do you? Not yeah. What do you? What? What would you recommend? Like what? <laughs> I imagine if I, if you flubbed a line, what would? What would? What, how do you? How would? What would you oh, recover I, from? I remember one you time know, calling the wrong name yeah, or the wrong it, stat. And exactly. There, there was, was one a good time. Way to recover from this that? was an OVFL football uh, semifinal game, at uh, or championship game it was at uh, the Skydome or at yeah. the Rogers Center. Uh, I think it was around 2011, and it was Toronto Thunder playing uh, Hamilton, um, uh, the Hamilton football team. And uh, uh, there was a punt uh, to a running back, uh, and uh, he ran it back for a touchdown. And uh, this was a, a key touchdown, only to find out it was the wrong player that okay. was called. Yeah, yeah. Because the roster, the Toronto Thunder's administration was all over the map. And the woman that was responsible for the rosters, the numerical rosters, gave me and Brian Nugent, a one-time color commentator and former CFL star, uh, we uh, got like four different versions of the lineup. And uh, the last lineup that we received, she said, was the most confirmed lineup. But the numbers were wrong. Okay. So we had one guy who, uh, who Yannick Dicka, yeah. Dicka uh, who later went on to play at Queen's University, was the actual guy who ran back the kick. But it, uh, Kenley Merritt was the guy that we called. And it's really unfortunate because uh, you can't change the tape once it's been done like that. Mm-hmm. And we even thought about, you know, tape delaying the broadcast so that uh, we could do a voiceover of that kick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's just too difficult to do. And that's just the only one that I remember. Getting off the top of your head, that, I mean, that's incredible because. 28 years of No matter who you are, like, nobody's perfect, right? So, but no. that's. Oh, it's unfortunate, yeah. uh, you know, and the, the kids will look back to to this day and say, you know, it's, uh, you know, the commentator had the wrong name, but yeah. we can only go by What's the administration. Yeah. And, and these are volunteers that we're dealing with. Right, right, So these so. are not professional uh, staff. So do you have any, uh, do you have any rituals or anything, anything you do to kind of get yourself, you know, pre-game, pre-gamed for, you know? You know the athletes. I mean, athletes have pregame rituals, right? Do, do yeah, some of them are very do, weird. Oh you know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, athletes are superstitious. Very you know superstitious. I mean? yeah. And so, do commentators have the same thing? Uh, for only with or me, the only thing I uh, make sure of is uh, to make sure that uh, the numerical rosters are set. And that uh, I've got these uh, specialized rosters yeah. that are put together uh, in a, a flip chart form. And I got the idea from uh, the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Uh, because I had to deal with the Buffalo Bills and their administration for five years with the Bills in Toronto series. Okay. Uh, I sit on a board uh, overseas of the Office of Football Championships across Ontario and uh, responsible for all the broadcasts. Uh, so all those games like the Metro Bowl played at the Rogers Centre, I'm responsible for all that. Yeah. 
all the marketing, broadcast communications, it's like a second job. Yeah. So, so eight hours and more per day. Yeah. And so uh, the one ritual I have is to make sure that before I get to uh, put on my headset and get into game action, uh, that uh, the rosters are where they positioned. I have all the uh, different um, uh, press uh, announcements, uh, injury reports, uh, any other updates on players, coaches, uh, okay. stats, standings, the whole bit. It's all arranged in a certain way. It's all about preparation. And if it, yeah, and if it's not, then uh, that broadcast doesn't go until I'm ready. Right. So <laughs> okay. You don't have a, a pregame tune or anything that gets you pumped up or anything like no, that? Okay, no, no. Like Although that. I have... Uh, it's funny you mention that because yeah. music also uh, comes into uh, the play here as a side note. It's a sidebar note. Uh, that uh, I've been uh, promoting uh, several uh, recording stars for many years. Okay. And uh, we well, brought tell us a few about that. Yeah. Liberty Silver, who uh, I had a chance to meet in 1987, and she came on a tour with us and uh, singing the anthems uh, for all the different uh, uh, Canadian national uh, basketball games uh, against Russia. Okay. Uh, that led to Debbie Johnson, Lorraine Scott, Love and Sass. Uh, wow. Lavinia, Lavinia Fox and uh, Sasuke Garrell who are later stars and I uh, see her all Las Vegas, New yeah. York, all over the place uh, to this day Stephanie Mills yeah, okay. uh, I brought her here a year ago uh, and worked alongside Woodbine Entertainment Complex and she performed before a sold out house yeah I remember you talking about this Yeah, I met her four years ago uh, in New York at BB uh, King's and I was there okay. to, uh, by chance, just by chance, and uh, working uh, NCAA at the time. And uh, the people at the table said, uh, "How would you like to meet uh, Stephanie Mills?" Who were sitting right near me. Sure enough, uh, we made contact, and I maintained contact with her agent, Hiram Hicks, a very smooth-looking guy from Philadelphia. Okay. And uh, I said to her, uh, "We need to have you in Toronto. Uh, there's a huge market for Stephanie Mills." And for people who don't know Stephanie Mills, look her up online, mm -hmm. go to YouTube, and you'll recognize all that music. And uh, she's also the what, first what Dorothy kind of... on The Wiz on Broadway. Oh, really? Okay, oh, so yeah. she's a Broadway performer. Big time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So, and uh, Regina Bell is another where one. Did you, where did she perform? Uh, she performed at uh, Woodbine Entertainment Complex here in gotcha. Toronto. Yeah. And B.B. King's, which is a popular uh, night spot in yeah. New York that I go to yeah. all the time. Uh, 42nd and Broadway. I think I've been there myself, too. Yeah. It's outstanding. It's a good spot. Yeah. I love, I love New York City. It's oh, it's... Second I, home. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I... Uh, every time I go, it's a different experience. Oh, yeah. There's so much going on. Like, oh, I love it there. Like, yeah. And R Regina Bell's another one as well. Uh, her yeah. uh, her husband is a former basketball star, John Battle, who played okay. with the Atlanta Hawks. So again, the connection through the sports. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, so you've really gotten to expand your yeah, yeah. And uh, who knows uh, if we can bring Regina here or whatever other recording star. Yeah, I'm high on a young girl coming up. Her name is Rayandra Hudson. Okay, and where did you uh, hear, hear about her? I've known her since she was ten years old. Okay. And uh, that comes through another really? sport connection with uh, Sue Stewart. Interesting how everything... Canadian national you know, star. And networking. So she's growing up. We've had her do a number of uh, anthems uh, for the Metro Bowl. She was the annual yeah. uh, anthem singer for the Metro Bowl. And uh, she's uh, an award winner uh, at a prestigious uh, music school in uh, Montreal yeah. at Concordia. And uh, wait until uh, she comes out. Uh, she was on uh, YTV's Next Star, and she was okay. the star. Wow. 
Oh yeah, it's interesting how these opportunities come about, eh? Oh, you, and I a mean, lot of times you create those opportunities. Well, that's it. I mean, I, I give you an example. The, the reason I started this this podcast is I, for years, I've been doing interviews with musicians. Yep. From I, I write and I photograph for music magazines around the city, and sure enough, now we've had politicians, we've had actors, we've had, you know, as long as you know, you know enough to have a discussion with with people, then you know it's. It's more interesting, you know, that way to talk about a wide variety of things than, you know. I remember from my bouncing days, uh, we had, uh, and this is a really funny story, yeah. uh, uh, going back to like uh, 1987 or 88, uh, Pete and Marty's, a well-known nightclub in downtown Toronto. Yeah. And I was uh, working there part-time as a bouncer uh, alongside uh, half the national basketball team, mm-hmm. the men's team, and a couple of Toronto Argonaut football players. And uh, we stayed around to play for a summer uh, with the slow pitch team, the staff slow pitch team at Harborfront where Labatt slow pitch plays every Sunday. And uh, Nine Inch Nails show up. Mm, And these guys are playing for Jersey Giant. So my cousin, John Gallagher, who is a famed sportscaster here in Toronto, uh, he, uh, he, he was playing in our lineup as well. And he goes, they opened for Bowie. Yeah, really? <laughs> We're going, really? And they played with Bowie? Yeah. Really? They, uh, they played third bit. The one member played third base. The other guy was a shortstop. And the other guy played really? center field. These are key positions. Yeah. So yeah. they were great baseball was players. Was one of them Trent Reznor? I Is think he, so. Really? I think so. I don't He's remember those players. Player but well, eh? Yeah. He was probably out there because they played some pretty good baseball. Yeah. 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 So you've come, you've come across some interesting characters, I'm sure, in your day. <laughs> it's been unbelievable. Uh, yeah. 28 years of broadcast, and uh, I've been around for quite a while now. Uh, you know, working in sports, and yeah. uh, and the and I've always been a, a big uh, fan, and uh, being at many of the clubs in uh, Toronto. Yeah, there were two in particular that uh, gathered a lot of steam. Uh, Network Club and the Blue Note, which were the equivalent yeah. of BB Kings in New York. Yeah, and I also go to a Forty Forty in New York as well. Uh, okay. Jay Z and Beyonce's nightclub. I go there okay. all the time. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's even you know even in my short time doing this, you know, you've crossed some characters, and so a lot of them surprise you. You know, um, I'll give you an example from from my um, one of the first when I first started doing this too. One of the first interviews I did was. Um, with this band, uh, with the lead singer of this band, uh, the band's called Disturbed. Yep. Heavy, heavy band. Uh, they do that song Down With The Sickness that's used in probably every sport. You know? <laughs> and uh, if you've ever seen this guy, he looks like the most intimidating person you've ever seen. Uh, he's bulky, shaved head, and he's got this chin ring. It's, it's like a hook that comes out of his lip and hooks around. And I remember going, and I was super excited because I love the music, but I was like, I was a little nervous to do the interview because I'm going, what if this guy doesn't want to be here? What if, you know, like, what if he's just, you know, this is, uh, you know, thrown at him. And so I was a little nervous. And sure enough, I met him. And the guy was probably maybe one of the sweetest people I've ever. Oh, is that right? Like, yeah. the key lesson on don't judge a book by its cover. You're calling him sweet pea, huh? Super soft spoken <laughs> and just the nicest, like super laid back. And when I, I, I'm a concert photographer and we have one of the, there's like two basic rules to shooting, and that's usually shoot the first three songs, and you're not allowed to use flash, right? Oh, okay. And uh, so when I, I was shooting a show later, and he was going, ah, you know what? Hey, if you want to shoot all all night, go ahead. I, you know, don't worry about the three song rule, blah blah blah. And 
just it was just the <laughs> super laid back sat and chatted for you know I think we were given like a 15 20 minute block I think we spoke for like 40 minutes and yeah so there was a lesson right there and so now I never go in with a preconception because you never know um, so Sweet Pea looks like he played uh, with the I'll show you a picture of this guy later. And, and when you look at him, you're like, I, I didn't know what to expect. And again, it was also, I think it was the second interview I ever did. He looked like you he know? did 10 years and at Pelican And it was Pelican the first Bay. one I did in person. Because the, the first one I ever did was with Rain Maida from Our Lady Peace. Yes. But it was over the phone. So, uh, like, also a really nice guy. But, uh, so it was the first one I think I had ever done in person. And I was... Uh, it was an interesting experience. Is Rain Maida married to Catherine Humphreys? No, he's married to Chantal Kraviatsuk. That's who it is, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, another Canadian. I think right. they tour together sometimes, too. And Chantal is quite accomplished as a musician. Yeah, they both are. Both yeah. are. And now at Rain, he were, his, Our Lady Peace, they're doing a tour with Matthew Good, also. Okay, Canadian, yeah. Recognize Canadian, him. Yeah. 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 Uh, anyways, actually, there was one thing. I'm going to go back real quickly for, we were talking about the U19 team. Yep. Tell me who are some of the people we should be looking out for. Uh, who, are some of, who do you think is going to be, you know, household names in a few years? Well, I, I, I can see right off the bat R.J. Barrett. And there's okay. a, a couple other guys there that as well that I'm not familiar with them offhand. Uh, I need to see their lineup. But there was one guy who played, uh, he's a 6'8 forward at St. Michael's uh, mm-hmm. College here in Toronto. And uh, uh, he's... Uh, uh, now playing in the Ivy League, and I'm not sure he'll make the NBA, but uh, he was certainly strong enough to play okay. as a starter in the uh, lineup for uh, the Canadian Junior National Team. And uh, also, there's uh, another kid named Kirkwood uh, out of Ottawa. His father, Arthur Kirkwood, played b- basketball at Jarvis Collegiate when they won a city high school championship. Mm-hmm. And at that time, that was a very difficult thing to do because you had to take out Eastern Commerce and Oakwood. Yeah. They dominate. Uh, City High School basketball for 30 years, uh, but they did and they won it. And uh, Kirkwood was a big reason why. So uh, uh, there's that lineage there. So uh, there's uh, there's some players that are on the rise. Uh, I could say on the uh, the women's side, uh, there's some girls that are coming up as well. There's three girls that are playing uh, right now in the WNBA. Okay. One of them, uh, I'm like a, a godfather to her. Okay. And uh, she's now uh, playing with the Las Vegas Aces in the WNBA. Really? She's uh, six six. Uh, she, I was just with her the other day for Christmas. She's six foot six. Yeah. Her father <laughs> and mother are longtime friends. Her father is a, a best friend. And uh, she has a brother that's playing in, uh, with Tennessee right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he's 6'11". So uh, she can dunk. She's the first yeah, girl yeah. I've ever seen dunk the ball here in Toronto. Wow. And she has a sky hook. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> she's just outstanding. She's uh, graduated from Syracuse as one of the all-time leading scorers. Uh, she holds 75% of the scoring records there, and uh, she was drafted eighth overall in the WNBA. Yeah. And there's uh, two other girls that also play, Natalie Achanwa, who's with Indiana, and uh, this other girl, uh, uh, Lena from uh, uh, New York Liberty, and she also plays on the Canadian national mm-hmm. team, uh, originally from Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, they're both around 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six apiece. Really? Yeah. So I have, um, just going on, the, the, the shock of height is we're... This Irish fan, most of us are never. I'd say I'm about the average height in our family. No one's over five ten or whatever. I have this one cousin who's six six. Yeah. Played played basketball for Virginia Liberty. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He was on a scholarship down there. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, the, especially basketball. That height. Did, did he play here in Toronto? 
He did. You know, he was featured uh, at a Raptors game once, like on the half. They did a halftime feature on him once. What's his name? Uh, Ryan Robertson. I know Ryan Robertson. Yeah, that's Do your you? co- that's your cousin. Yeah, is that right? Okay, no kidding. I know Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. So he got a scholarship to Virginia Liberty. Virginia Liberty. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah he did. I don't think he played all the way through because um, I remember him. I think what it was happening is they were calling him practices at three in the morning, stuff like that, and it was affecting his his academics. Oh. Okay. So he he took a leave to to focus on his academ- academics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important. Great player. Though. A lot of times, uh, athletes, regardless of sport, uh, get involved with institutions that don't necessarily put the athlete, uh, student athlete. Right. First, First yeah. they go athlete, student. Yeah. And uh, there was a feature on uh, TSN one time about it. Uh, Dave Hodge uh, conducted this uh, one hour show on it, and uh, several of the athletes uh, I recognize or know quite well. Yeah. And uh, there were complaints about. You know, uh, you know, prime time practices at twelve noon in the afternoon. There yeah. was, you know, and they went through the curriculum. Uh, he was taking a phys ed program, but there was basket weaving in the morning. There was an elective. Uh, right. It was like and, and weightlifting. Uh, and, yeah. And those were your classes uh, leading up to prime time practices, and then uh, study hall for like an hour. Yeah. Well, there was even some some students that I went to school with, and I and I was in. The Rotman Commerce Program, which is no walk in the park. No, it's and very uh, there was two I know offhand that were they were both on the varsity swim team, and once like swim the season was over, it was like, I mean to them it was school became a breeze because they said trying to prepare for school while they were practicing all kinds of hours, you know, and and yep. they were you know they were training for the Olympics, yeah, stuff like that, and once they did or didn't make the team or whatever, it was. Uh, you know, they said it was like they took the strain. When they finished playing, doing varsity sports, they said school was, they couldn't believe the amount of time they had to do Well, school. especially at University of Toronto. You went yeah. to a, an academic school that is yeah. one of the best in the world. So Yeah, and to be doing that with varsity sports, it's like, yeah. I, I had found it hard enough to get through the program. Well, there's <laughs> a difference between sports. the student-athletes at uh, U of T uh, compared to what you're getting at Ryerson or right. even more so okay. at York. Yeah. There's a huge difference. And, the balance, uh, you mean. The academic uh, part of it comes into uh, the equation big time. Yeah. I yeah. notice it. Even speaking with these athletes, you can tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and I've been dealing with them for upwards of uh, 30 years, 35 yeah. years. Yeah. So, uh, coaching at U of T was uh, exciting at the time as well. I watched a number of stars come out of the lineup uh, back uh, 84, 85, 86, and some of them have gone on to do some uh, terrific things in the uh, in the uh, business world. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because many of them, most of them did not have a chance to play uh, pro basketball. Right, and, and that's it. That's the thing, I mean, that's the risk you take with as a pro athlete, you know. If yeah. you don't make it, you've got to have something to back you up. Well, the difference now, uh, as I spoke with Mike Cates, uh, he coached at U of T for several years, uh, after uh, leaving Humber, mm-hmm. he took the opportunity at U of T, and he was he is a graduate from U of T uh, back in the late sixties. Now that uh, they can receive bursaries after the mm-hmm. second year, okay, and they're upwards of two thousand, three thousand dollars. Right. Okay. <coughs> Pardon me. So they, uh, you know, that really helps, and that doesn't. Uh, that was not in place back uh, when I was uh, doing my internship there uh, yeah. as a coach. So that's a bit of a help. Yeah, I mean, even I played soccer with a guy probably about six years ago who had an offer from the San Jose earthquake. Yep. And he he said he he's like I can't I, 
is that I can't afford to play professional sports because they were, especially MLS, I mean, they're notorious. They, they were offering him like a $40,000 contract yep. or something like that. And he said he worked construction. That's what he did. on. And he probably was, made more money. Absolutely. And that's what he said. He said, can I take a part-time job on the side? Can I work in training? He said, no, you got to you know, be dedicated to the team 100%. He goes, well, you yeah. can't afford to play for you guys then. Yeah. So you had to turn down an MLS contract, but... The, the, and that same sentiment was echoed by many uh, CFL football players. Yeah. I know some and, guys... Because, well, I mean, especially him, if you're a young single guy, it's one thing, but I think you think he had a family already. And so yeah. I like, can't support a family. And yeah. That, be on the road and only making $40,000, you know? Like, uh, speaking with Matt Black just recently, the guy who pulled down the big interception uh, for the yes, Argonauts yeah, yeah, in the yeah, Great yeah. Cup... A one-time Northern Red Knight. Really? And uh, excellent uh, receiver and defensive back uh, for the Red Knights at the time. And uh, got a scholarship to play at Grand Valley State in uh, Michigan. And, uh, How old is he? Uh, Matt is now in his mid-30s. And, okay, so a little uh, bit before my... Yeah, he plays on our media me. basketball team. Actually, okay. we'll have him in the new year. Okay. Uh, along with a couple other Argo players as we uh, attempt to play mm-hmm. a high school team or maybe even play the Argonauts in yeah. a charity basketball game. But uh, with that, uh, uh, speaking with Matt, and uh, a lot of the players do have other jobs. Uh, most of the players are getting paid uh, very well now as opposed to what it was. Right, yeah. But still, they carry careers in the offseason. You yeah, you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. Many of them are in the business world. Some are franchise owners for, uh, like Tim Hortons uh, restaurants. Right, right, right. Okay. And uh, and if you uh, know Sport Check, uh, mm-hmm. the Forzani Group uh, owned that, and uh, that was made famous by Tom Forzani at one time. Of course, yeah. Uh, star with the Cal- Calgary Stampeders. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you you mentioned charity games and stuff. Are you still playing now and then? Oh yeah, I yeah. still get out there. I still Pick play up. and. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm 56 this year, but uh, I carry on like I'm 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. And uh, I'm not going to be running up and down the floor for five and ten minutes at, at a, a time. time. Yeah. I'll be out there for two or three minutes at a time, and those uh, minutes will be very much watched. Because, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this looks great, you know. Any, any way you can get out. My dad was the same. My dad played My dad played competitively until he was in his 50s. Like, oh, is that right? He was playing with 30-year-olds. and yeah. Wow. And still mesmerizing them. Oh, absolutely, until it got to the point. I think he he, he suffered a really bad injury. Was someone oh, a thirty five year old slide tackled him and cracked his ribs or something like that? Ooh. And I think he had to call it. A, you know, yeah. a career at that point. <laughs> yeah, he got wise. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. Like, oh my dad, injured. You know, then I, even even me in my twenties, I've got chronic ankle sprains and stuff like that. I mean, that's the biggest issue as an athlete. How's your knees? Well, so I'm a competitive runner as well. That's okay. probably what I'm best at now. Because I, 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 I gave up so, something I talked about with David Miller too. Is I, I gave up soccer in probably the worst years to give it up, which was my high school years. Yeah. Um, but, and so when I picked it up, I back up again. I was already competitive running, so I just used my speed mostly. Uh, but knees, my knees are a problem uh, from running, especially yeah. running on pavement and stuff like that. Uh, I ran my first, probably my first and last marathon. <laughs> oh, is that right? Yeah, in 2016, I ran a marathon. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Congratulations. Well, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, you know what I have to say? It was, uh, it really, it, it is an accomplishment. You're almost overwhelmed with with emotion when you finish something. Oh, like yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was very cool to do. I don't know. I would love to do it again. Yep. But even I noticed when I'm training heavily that my knees do start to ache. And, and my biggest fear is, is 
doing damage so something so bad that I like I couldn't run anymore. Yeah, that's just a nightmare to me because running's like that's my that's my stress relief. You know, I I uh, totally agree. I'm I'm the same as you. And yeah. uh, I graduated from East York Collegiate. Uh, we were off the championships, uh, yeah. champions two years in a row as track athletes, mm-hmm. and uh, carried on uh, with uh, track and cross country running after that time. But uh, knee uh, surgery, a meniscus, yeah. uh, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, prevented me from uh, going any further with uh, running. And, yeah. and running on hard surfaces uh, is not a good idea for the knees. No. So I'll do my odd run at uh, the um, uh, islands because I'm a Harborfront resident. So right. yeah, I yeah. go over at the islands and run there all the time on the grass. On the grass. But I don't, uh, I try not to run on concrete anymore because it's just it's too difficult. It's terrible on your knees. And that's, yeah. I mean, it's hard in the city though to find alternatives. I mean, I run, I this year I started North Toronto Collegiate now has a track. Yes. And so I run on the outside of the field because it's a, a little bit spongy. Yeah. So I try and do that as much as I can. It does get a little bit tedious. I'm really <laughs> proud of uh, North Toronto. Dan Russell, uh, the athletic director there yeah. for many years uh, and famed gym teacher and football coach, uh, hockey coach. Uh, he, he's done just a terrific job working alongside the alumni and uh, school board officials to make that happen because yeah. that track is really nice. It's really nice. And, and North Toronto was, I mean, they were... They got complete. There's a, I mean, there's a condo above the school now. Yeah. It's uh, well, that was all part of the deal. Fun. Yeah, of course. They, yeah, that's with where the they developers. Got, I don't think this they, that school need needed renovating. Big and time. They had no field. No. It was just a patch of dirt for. Um, kind of wondering where they play their high school football games. They used to play at our at Northern. Oh, at Northern. Yeah, they used to practice at Eglinton Park, I think, and then they used to play at Northern not quite often. Don't oh, quote me on that, okay. but I think. I think they used to come and at least practice on our field because they, they didn't have a field. It was just a pile right. of dirt. Right. And uh, now they've got the, one of the best facilities. And I mean, but North Toronto wasn't really known for their athletics. I mean, they were more of an academic, academic school. And school. Music, music and too. Music is outstanding. Yeah. And yeah. Northern, Northern, I know. The reason I went to Northern was for their arts program. They had a great arts program. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was uh, to play football. And at me? No, uh, not, not, not American football. I played played soccer, but that guy said I gave it up in those years, and I actually went for the, the creative program. Right. And, uh, yeah. A lot of rena- – uh, you check the uh, listing, and, and I do, uh, because of covering high school sports for yeah. many years in Toronto. The – uh, alumni, uh, notable alumni of all these different high mm. schools. It's absolutely amazing. Northern produced some. Northern has produced some uh, outstanding athletes, yeah. outstanding television personalities, and actors and actresses, mm-hmm. recording artists. Uh, you know, North Toronto, same thing. Uh, it's they're amazing. big schools too, right? So they they've absolutely got a lot amazing. of students coming in and out of there. Yeah, but, but as I compared notes with uh, Dan Domenico and Brian Gaw, that uh, the uh, enrollment has uh, decreased. Really? Uh, somewhat, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, they'll be able to boost the, uh, the ranks of uh, yeah. the school population at some point. But all the many high schools uh, have uh, decreased in population. So I, I don't yeah. know what the answer is to that. I, I was going to say because... Toronto's only growing in population, so they, they, unless yeah. they're building more schools than I know about, then... <laughs> and around the, the greater Toronto the area, the, a lot outside of the... Outside of the core, yeah. 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 Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas out in Brampton is a big school of yeah. 2,500. East York Collegiate, which had 2,500 at one point, is now down to about 1,000. Well, when I went to Northern, it was about 2,100. Yeah, Northern yeah. was one of the biggest high schools, yeah. still remains one of the biggest... Yeah. 
Uh, but I think they're down about a thousand. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. About fifteen hundred students go to the well, school. My issue and and when I had high school sports too was I was a late bloomer, so I didn't grow till I was about sixteen and stuff like that. So I I didn't really become the athlete. I am now until I was about 18, 19. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, do you hit the weights? Are, are you on weights? Now I do, but because, yeah. I, especially because I was a late bloomer, I didn't for a long time because I didn't want to stunt my growth or anything. Right. Like that, yeah. Right? So I didn't hit the weights till I was about 19. And that was the thing. I didn't have much upper. I was, you know, I built, still am built like a soccer player. Yeah. But now I do, now I, I do weights at least three, four times a week. Soccer players so, have got some of the best breathing. They're, they're good, strong athletes. I, I, and you know, I don't want to, brag or anything but even I do Muay Thai now and stuff like that and whenever I go anywhere like from playing soccer since I was four my cardio levels are high and above most people <laughs> yeah you know what the, the cardio and the levels and, run, and the running and better than football players better than uh, baseball players soccer well they'll always have the best cardio I mean those yeah. guys play ni- most of them play 90 minutes that's right straight you know so yeah that requires yeah as we witnessed uh, with that uh, TFC championship yeah which was I thought was just outstanding you know it's a show of class like those guys yep I mean Seattle wasn't even in the game no I watched it it was yeah it was a one sided game it, it, it was yeah. a 2 nothing score line but it was could it was have been easily 5 nothing. yeah it was a it was a one sided game it was phenomenal yeah yeah. Great celebration too at Nathan Phillips Square. I, I, I yeah, I went by for that. that too. I yeah. did. I took the the skipped a bit of work for that. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, very nice. You know, I, what I was, you know, I figured, when is this going? You know, this has never happened in my lifetime before. You know, I'm yeah. not miss the first one. Yeah. You know, my first. I mean, I guess the Blue Jays won in '93, but I was five, so right. I don't even remember it that well. So yeah. But uh, yeah, now I mean, even soccer now, my ankles are messed up you know chronic sprains in both the left and right i had to have a little a small operation this year but you know i at this point i figured now i'm, I'm hitting 30 in 2018 so i was like ah you're still record. a young guy oh i'm still I, it's not it's not the age yeah. it's not the age it's more so the the injury because like i said my biggest nightmare is not being able to run yeah so, and at soccer at this point i'm not getting any better at this point you know i'm not <laughs> i'm not making it professional semi-professional at this point so you'll revisit this back in like five years and then ten years yeah and this could be a defining moment yeah yeah, yeah. these it injuries is, uh they can true. Really break you it's true it's true and yeah. um you know and and yeah like i said i i, I don't want to do anything to sacrifice the running no uh, yeah no running is uh and, and for a lot of people uh people it's my stress realize relief. it's my stress relief you know i i don't i don't drink and stuff like that. So did you want to start? Go out, <laughs> start drinking? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. So I've always, I've always been uh, kind of uh, straight edge, but but that's <laughs> my, you know, after a hard day's work or something, my stress relief is I'll go run. Yeah. Forty minutes and <laughs> that oh, helps. That's the way you go. Yeah, but if you ever compare notes with Alan Brook. Uh, okay. Alan, uh, who puts uh, the Harborfront uh, Marathon together. Okay. And yeah. uh, for many years was uh, running That's the uh, Scotiabank one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I've never, you know, so I've never run in that one. I've run the Good Life one. Oh, yeah. The half a couple times, but I've never run the Scotiabank one. Alan is uh, just a great resource, and uh, he's knowing all the stories, all the athletes, all mm-hmm. the, you know, worldwide, uh, compared notes with him several times. Yeah. And uh, appeared on an old show, uh, on yeah. the Time Out show. Uh, before and uh, you know a lot of these injuries uh, uh, can be uh, prevented uh, a lot of times they can't be simply because of you know your body structure or whatever yeah. 
And then uh, also, it's a great uh, stress relief. A lot mm. of people realize that uh, that's a great way to go after work or before work. Yeah, yeah. You perform much better yeah. after you've had a run. It clears your head. Absolutely. I know that when I'm jogging along Harbor Front over to Cherry Beach or uh, over at uh, Harbor Front or uh, to uh, the islands, that uh, it really clears your head. You I get, think much better. Oh, I, I get some of my best creative thoughts when I'm running. Yeah. Because you don't have to think about anything else. You know, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, do you run with a headset on? I train with a headset on, yep. but when I race, I don't. Okay. For two reasons. is One, you want to focus on your breathing. Right. And if there's a song that comes on that gets you extra pumped up or something, then you're going to kind of throw off your rhythm a little bit. That's right. And it was actually a, a competitive runner who, who taught me that. Uh, and the second reason is you do it out of respect of your other runners, too. Yeah. Because if someone's trying to pass you or you're trying to pass someone... You don't want to be dealing with them not hearing you because they've got headsets on. But. I get a big kick out of that sometimes. You yeah. see them jogging along Harbor Front. They got yeah. their headset on, but they they don't see you and they don't yeah. have rear view mirrors. Generally, especially I mean, the, the races are so well organized now that everything's in time slots. Yeah. So I find in my time slot now, most of those people are more competitive, so they're not running with headphones. So I don't have to deal with that. I remember yeah. one of the first runs I ever did when I discovered I was good at running. I kind of got there right as it was starting. And I was right at the back of the line, and like the first three k, I was just weaving around people. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, That's awesome. Yeah, so. I get a big kick out of those guys who are running, and the they're rabbits. Yeah, the, yeah. the pace bunnies. The pace bunnies. Yeah, so that takes an incredible talent because you got to be able to. You got to be able to run and lead. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And yeah. You can't slow down and <laughs> no. are depending on you. Yeah. That's right. That yeah, you got a group of 10, 15, 20 yeah. people behind yeah. you. Yeah. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I, uh, you know, do they get paid? I'm pretty sure they're probably volunteers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe it depends on the race. Maybe if it's a big enough race, then... You feel like a target out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, okay, well, I've got a couple couple other quick questions before we wrap this up. Sure. Yeah, a couple fun questions. So I want to know, as your years of broadcast, yep. what are a couple of your f- favorite moments that you commentated on? Uh, I would say the world championship of uh, basketball and getting a chance to host the uh, opening ceremonies. Okay. Um, I would say the uh, Canadian, uh, anything that had to do with uh, Canadian national basketball over the years. And uh, there's been all kinds of different championships that I've had a chance to uh, broadcast as well. Uh, one in particular was, the very, I remember the very first broadcast I ever did, and that was the uh, Michigan-Toronto uh, High School All-Star Basketball Game at Varsity Arena. Okay. Uh, defining a moment uh, for many uh, players uh, in Toronto, uh, because it, it said to us that we can compete with the Americans. Okay. And uh, not only compete with them, but beat them too. Yeah. And uh, so that those were defining moments, and as well uh, my year hosting with uh, Scott Lachlan, uh, 1997. Okay. And uh, with the uh, Pro Sports Hotline show, we met many uh, professional athletes, and, uh, and and many of those athletes uh, and, and personalities are friends to this day. Yeah. So I, I would say uh, those moments, uh, yeah, that, that would be it. And the next question being then, because, you know, as, as, you know, in your career, you always, you always build to higher and higher goals. What are some... What's an event? What's like in a dream event for you to, 
to commentate on? Uh, NBA basketball or FIBA World Championships. Okay. I would say uh, one or the other or both, and uh, those are still uh, within range Mm -hmm. and still in the crosshairs, and I definitely uh, look to make uh, that happen in the new year and beyond, Uh, whether it's NBA or WNBA. Right now, uh, I've done FIBA broadcasts in the past, uh, international basketball, uh, and have for many years, actually, Mm -hmm. uh, on behalf of Canada Basketball. Uh, I still, and I remember uh, getting back to that last question, there was one other one that I remember calling it 2012, the Metro Bowl yeah. at uh, the Rogers Center. And uh, Rob Ford was the head coach at the time, oh, really? uh, the mayor of okay. Toronto. Yeah, yeah. And Rob was a longtime friend who I knew from uh, football, from, yeah. did yeah. not yeah, know him from politics, yeah. and uh, knew his brother as well uh, from football. And I know the family quite well, mm. and, uh, but I didn't know Rob after midnight. I only knew him before. Yeah, right, right, okay. As many of us who knew him from football right. did. So, but we were uh, good friends and uh, very close friends, actually. Uh, going to his office, I'd advise him on uh, strategy and politics and things like that. Uh, really? In his office. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, some some very key sure moments some there. there, too, yeah. Yeah. So th- those were uh, some of the moments uh, that we were talking about. Okay. And the one last thing I kind of want to wrap it up on is kind of the, it's a bit of an interesting story how we met. And we came to be because uh, I guess maybe what most people wouldn't know or realize that we met in your restaurant. Yeah, the, well, so I, I go to help out uh, with a friend of mine sometimes in a in a restaurant yeah. in town. Uh, you know, whenever I can because I do have a history and a background uh, with the, the bar and restaurant industry here in Toronto and used to sit on the board for Labatt Slow Pitch yeah. for many years. And my brother and I, we actually were inducted into the uh, Slow Pitch Ontario Hall of Fame okay. uh, uh, playing uh, Slow Pitch on, with these various restaurants and bars and competed at a high level. Uh, with that, uh, uh, you know, you meet all kinds of people and yeah. just uh, through that kind of industry. And I don't make it a full-time uh, situation. It's just uh, helping out whenever I can. Or, yeah. You know, because friends of mine run bars and restaurants all across Toronto. Uh, for that matter, all across North America. Right. But uh, I don't mind helping out whenever I can if the broadcast schedule allows. Right. And that's something I, I think that's I think that's an, a, incredible. You know, it's something you, you don't need but you do to... Yeah, about, you know. Yeah, you, and, you meet all kinds of personalities. I mean, that's how we met. That's how this opportunity. Came yeah, out. yeah. Great, great opportunity with that. And, yeah, uh, you never know. Who, you never know who you're gonna do. Who, uh, who's working there? You never know who's uh, frequenting the place. Yeah, you know, you just never know. Yeah, and you meet tons of people that way, and that's, I mean, that's same with this. I mean, someone, someone commented to me to the other day because I, I do photography, I do graphic design, I run this podcast and stuff. They're like. Well, you know, you got all these side hustles, and I'm like, well, that's where you meet, you know? You got to do the things you love however way you you do them, you know what I mean? Here's a perfect example. Uh, 1995, uh, 1994, uh, I met, uh, I get on a TTC bus. I'm traveling to Ontario Place. We're doing dragon boat racing that day for Rogers TV. Yeah. And two little kids in their basketball outfits, uh, dressed up in their little outfits, uh, climbed all over the back of my seat and said, my uncle's Magic Johnson. (laughs) And I said to them, yeah, right, my brother's Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. And uh, the mother comes to the front of the bus and says, uh, hi, I'm Shirley Johnson. (laughs) We shook hands. There you go. Shirley uh, is Magic's sister-in-law. Yeah. So 
over the course of that time, we've become best friends. And yeah. she's represented me in various uh, broadcast uh, events that uh, we've had to have agreements in place in the States, including uh, going down to cover uh, the New Orleans High School Football Championships, uh, the Louisiana State Championships. And I'll go down to the Super Bowl and uh, broadcast down there. And uh, so she's been very good in that capacity. And uh, with that, uh, uh, we've maintained that friendship to this day. And I've met Irvin several times. Yeah. And spoken. As a matter of fact, he, at one time, uh, he was very interested in moving Magic Johnson Theaters here to Toronto. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He came up here for meetings. Uh, didn't... Uh, uh, comprehend the whole uh, industry situation here yeah. in Toronto. A lot of people, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a different market here than it is. Exactly. I mean, because there's the same thing with Bon Jovi trying to move uh, a football team here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that would have been in conjunction with uh, Larry Tannenbaum and yes, Maple yeah. Leaf Sport and Entertainment. Uh, but uh, we've still maintained contact. As a matter of fact, I just spoke with Shirley the other day, and uh it was great uh, when I first met her and uh, the family came up. Irvin was making a comeback bid with the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we made the Skydome Hotel lobby look like an in-studio production and invited on 25 Johnson family members, <laughs> including Tracy Murray. Yeah. He came on the show, too, because yeah. he's a longtime friend with the Johnsons. All two little kids at a dragon boat race. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's a, it's a big planet, but it's a small world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dana, it's been a pleasure. Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. This pleasure. was uh, yeah. great. And, and that's, it's funny, like I said to you, it was, uh, when we met at the restaurant, I said to you, you sound like you got a voice for radio. Yep. And there you go. And sure enough, here we are. <laughs> I hear that about 10 times a day. It's funny. And I keep I, telling people that it's my dad's voice. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a problem? You know, before, do, you have a, do, you ever, do you have an issue listening to your own voice on, on, uh, no, no, on no, playback? No. Not at it's all. Because I... I you know, I'm getting a little more used to it now with the podcast and stuff, but for the first few times, I found it incredibly awkward listening to myself. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first... It's, it's like, is that what I sound like? <laughs> you got to go through and it. And no one else, you know, everyone else is known. Of course, yeah. That's, that's what you say, you know, but you always, I don't know. Yeah. Wait till you have to chop yourself up and you have to go through edit. Well, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I, I do all the edit myself and everything too. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Is, I know. And it's sometimes like, oh, Adam, what's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know, why'd you say it that way? Or why, you know, it's, but you know, yeah. it's like everything's practice makes perfect, you know. And, and the experience uh, comes into play as well. After yeah. a while, you accept that uh, that's part of you. Yeah. And that's part of the product. And that uh, you're very comfortable with that. Yeah. Well, and everything practices, for, you know, the podcast yeah. is a very different type of interview than I was doing previously with the magazines. Because those are, some of them are written, some of them are on video, but those are, you know, six, seven minute interviews, you know. And yeah. a seven minute interview is very different from a hour long podcast. Yeah, you, know? you, you really uh, have to uh, uh, go with very pointed questions. And, and it's, uh, the reason I like the podcast format is because I found with those with the six minute video or something like that, and with the, with video format, you can't you can't do any longer because yeah. you're not going to hold people's interest, you know. Um, but it's very you're kind of getting a lot of cookie cutter answers and stuff like yeah. that. It's like so the podcast is more of a discussion like this, you know, and and you can go down the rabbit hole, you know, you can go down there, and and sometimes the most interesting things are at the bottom of that. Oh yeah, you know? oh you yeah. You never know what you discover there. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting, and yeah, 
So again, thank you for being here. Not a problem. And uh, you know, hopefully we can connect again and do a follow up episode down the line. Never know. That's uh, it. There's uh, the the world is your oyster. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially it's limitless now in this day and age too. It's limitless now. Yeah, and with everything online, uh, it just makes things that much more simpler and easier Accessible. for the uh, viewer or listener to uh, to uh, be able to comprehend. And it's also easier easier for creators to put stuff out there. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again. No problem. Been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Be Adamantium.